to the great detectives of old time radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. For our Casey Crime Photographer episodes, we really lean a lot on the work of Dr. Joe Webb at his Blue Note Bulletins blog. And I want to let you know about a new project he's doing. Uh, He is doing a history of Theater 5 which I've written about in a uh, recent, in my own recent uh, overview of the American uh, audio drama tradition. It was a 1964 to 65 uh, radio series over ABC, and he's uh, chronicling the history of it. If you're interested in the history of audio drama in this country at all, it's going to be a good read. Check it out over at Theater 5 dot blogspot.com and that's theater five spelled t-h-e-a-t-e-r five dot blogspot.com now it is time for this week's episode of casey crime photographer the original air date is december the 25th of 1947 and the title is the santa claus of bums boulevard the anchor hawking glass corporation Brings you Crime Photographer. Hiya, Case. Hi, Ethelbert. How did Santa Claus treat you? Uh, fine, just fine. I'm so full of Christmas spirit, I could even kiss the city editor. What do you know? And me, I could even forgive and forget one or two of those Christmas neckties. <laughs> Some of those things are Lulu's. You ought to see the one Marvin got. It lights up and spells a message. <laughs> well, anyway, it's a, it's a beautiful sentiment. What's it say? The most wonderful words. Anchor Hawking, the most famous name in glass. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tony Marvin. Every week at this time, the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, and its more than 10,000 employees bring you another adventure of Casey, crime photographer, ace cameraman who covers the crime news of a great city. Written by Alonzo Dean Cole, our adventure for tonight, The Santa Claus of Bums Boulevard. Christmas, about one o'clock in the afternoon, the Blue Note Cafe. Ethelbert, the head bartender, gazes sympathetically at the two glum faces opposite him, sighs and... Uh, Casey, I know just how you and Miss Williams feel. It ain't right to have to work on Christmas Day. Well, the three of us should have different jobs, Ethelbert. And say, Ethelbert, where's Herman Chittison? Well, he's having Christmas dinner with his family, the lucky dog. Uh... Johnny Paul dropped in to play the piano for us today. Oh, good. Oh, my holidays don't mean a thing in our racket, Ethelbert. Newspapers must be printed. And guys in my profession have to stand behind bars and make with bottles. Mm, and lemons. Oh, well, it might be worse. At least we ain't got family. Well, that's what makes it worse for me. 
My family's a thousand miles away. I haven't got a family anywhere. Well, you've got sisters, Casey. Sure, they're all married. They all got families of their own and all 2,000 miles away. My sister Edna ain't married, but you know Edna. Yeah. Well, let's can this deep philosophical discussion, Annie. Get started for Hackett Street. Hackett Street? We yep. have an assignment down there. That's the crummiest street in town. Nothing but gin mills, flop houses, and bums. Yeah, it's Bums Boulevard. Why's your paper send you down there on Christmas? For a story, of course. Yeah. Heather Burford, you know, for the past two years, at exactly half past one on Christmas Day, a guy has shown up at the corner of Hackett and Finley with a wad of new $1 bills, which he's handed out to all the rummies around there. Then when his wad is gone, he's beat it, without telling anybody who he is, where he's from, or anything. If he shows up again this year, City Desk wants pictures of him and a complete yarn about him. We'll pay him up as the Santa Claus of Bums Boulevard. The guy must be nuts, giving good dough away to a bunch of lushes who'll spend it on nothing better than cheap pooch. Huh. What kind of a guy is he? Oh, probably a publicity hound, I guess. Well, come on, let's get started, Annie. Yeah, we haven't too much time before 1.30. So long, Ethelbert. So long, and Merry Christmas. Mm. Yeah, it'll be a very merry and very Christmassy Christmas among the panhandlers and drunks we're going to see. You know, the holiday spirit's a lot of malarkey anyway, unless you got a family. Come on, Annie. Yeah, you're right, Casey. Ah, uh, yeah, he's right. Walter, bring up some lemons. late, that man will have given away his dollar bills and be gone by the time we get well, Annie, to... can I help it if we ran out of gas four blocks from the nearest open filling station? You I could have had that. the tank filled before it went dry. Oh, sure, I'm wrong. I'm always wrong to hear you tell it. All you women do is nag. And a Merry Christmas to you. Oh, I'm... I'm sorry, kid. I'm a dope. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love the bracelet you gave me, Casey. Huh? You have exquisite taste. <laughs> It looks swell on you. Hey, I-, I wanted to get you a ring. A ring? Yeah, with your birthstone. Amethyst. See, I know it. Oh. Right. I didn't see any I liked. It's just as well. I don't care for amethysts and rings. No? No. Oh. Wish I could afford a family of my own, Annie. What makes you think you can? <laughs> my pay envelope and the cost of living. Well, maybe someday. Well, then maybe when that someday comes, no woman will want you. Uh, You may have something there. I've been a bachelor so long, Annie, it's become a habit. You know, this this morning when I woke up in my dinky little apartment, I felt, oh, empty and lonely and useless. I haven't got a home. I felt the same way. I wonder, maybe, Annie, the two of us... What about... The two of us. Well, I... I... Oh, nuts. Look at this crummy street and the people on it. How can anybody think of home and a family life down here? How can anybody believe in anything or dream of anything? Every one of these bums, Annie, had big ideas once, and now look at him. This street is frightening, isn't it? Anybody reaches here, he's finished. It's the last stop. There's a, there's a crowd lined up at the next corner, Casey. Yeah. Is that where they... Yeah, that's the place where the dollar bill Santa Claus has shown up before. Maybe he's been there and gone. Mm-mm. No, if that were so, those rum-dums wouldn't be standing in line. They'd all be in the nearest gin mill spending the dough or fighting to get it away from each other. Well, I'll park the car here and walk the rest of the way. Now, the car may be safer away from that mob. That's how I figure. Let's see, I got the camera. Lock the car. 
Okay, let's go. It's a quarter two, Casey. According to his previous schedule, Santa Claus is 15 minutes late. Maybe he won't show up. Mm. It'll be a big Christmas thirst on Bums Boulevard if he doesn't. Sorry. Pardon, Mister. See you. <laughs> okay, sister. Take it easy it's, now. I'm all right. Don't I know you? I don't think so. Holy, Miss Arnold. Oh, uh, we're both mistaken. I don't know you, and you don't know me. Excuse me for bothering you. Goodbye. Casey, what? Annie. That dame is Julia Arnold. Julia Arnold. She was a big actress, a great star. Julia. She was a Broadway sensation when I was in college. Why, she was beautiful. Oh, Casey, that woman can't be... The way she denied her identity proves she is, Annie. I heard that Julia Arnold hit the skids, but... Oh, Casey. She was married to a nice guy who got killed in the war, and then her kid died, and she... It's not nice, is it? Thanks, fair dime, mister. Mr. Dime. (laughs) I guess so, old-timer. Let me see. I ain't a drinking man, mister. I'll spend it for food, not liquor. You don't look like a rummy. I ain't. I'm just old. You can ask anybody around here about Smitty, that's me. They'll tell you Smitty don't drink, don't steal. The worst they'll tell you about Smitty is he's just too old. Look, I I, I haven't got any small change, Smitty. Here's a buck. Oh, and here's, uh, here's another for me. Two dollars? Oh, God bless you, boy. Forget it. Yeah. Goodbye. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas. You didn't look like a faker, Casey. <sighs> no, just old. Christmas. There are plenty of fakers in that mob we're coming to, though. Oh, they look like a line of uh, zombies. Yeah. Dead and won't lie down. Uh-oh. Not that big guy over there, though, Annie. That, that big, heavy-set mug, the green lumberjack coat. Oh, he looks like a prize fighter. I know that guy. His name is Boots Driscoll. He's a yellow skunk. He's mean as a copperhead. You know, that louse would steal pennies from Kid, and he's the, he's the boss of Bums Boulevard. I uh, gather you don't like him. I don't. Well, well, look who's here. Hello, Boots. Hi, Casey. I ain't seen you since... Yeah, since the last time you came out of the big house. <laughs> That's right. Who's the good-looking dame with you? This lady's a friend of mine. Well, ain't you gonna introduce us? Nope. Oh. What are you doing down here in my territory? Came to get a line on the screwball who hands out new dollar bills on Christmas. Apparently he's late. Yeah, the louse. When he shows up, I get a good mind to kick his head in. Yeah, not until after he hands out his dough, of course. Think he'll show up? The folks think so because they want to think it. Me? I just stick around and keep everybody in line. So you got them all lined up? Yeah. First come, first serve. Different when Santa Claus gets here. All right, stop pushing, you bums. Get back in line there. Of course, you'll get something for your policing service. Well, why not? Them jerks would tear one another to pieces fighting for a grab at them bucks like they did last year if I wasn't around. This year, I'm taking a cut of 35 cents out of every bum here to keep things peaceful. Mm. Boots, you've got all the instincts of a big racketeer. I'll say. Where's the racket part? This is a legitimate business. I guess it is at that for you. This way you're getting the dough without using a gat or brass knuckles. Say, if that's meant as a crack... Skip it, Boots. I'm nearly as big as you are. Uh, Boots. Boots. Uh, Casey, that awful look at hey, Boots. What do you want, Creep? Creep's a good name for him. Hey, the guy who passes out dough. Santa Claus. I just found him. You found him? Yeah. In the alley back of Fritz's gin mill. Somebody socked him on the head and took all his dough. I think the guy's dead. Dead? Dead. Dead. Yeah, dead. Dead? Hey, you bumps stay here. Show me, creep. Yeah, come on. We're going too, Annie. I'll say we are. 
There he is, Boots. Lying behind them beer cakes. Yeah, I see him, creep. Hey, his pockets have been turned out. He's been rolled. There ain't a dime left on him. You'd be sure of that. He's so still, Casey. Is he dead? No. His heart's good and strong, huh? He'd have been knocked out. I'm such a little man. Such a mild, gentle-looking little man. Who could have done I'll that? find out who took the dough he meant to give us, and when I do... Shut up, Boots. I just opened his eyes. He's coming, too. Yeah. Who are you? Just a guy who wants to help you, mister. My headaches. Yeah. It'd be a miracle if it didn't. Been slugged hard. Yes. Something hit me. Did you see the rat who hit you? The rat who took your dough? My dough? Yeah, you've been rolled, fella. Your money's gone. Oh, the money. Who got it? I... I can't say. How much did you have on you? Three hundred dollars and new one dollar bills. Three hundred bucks? Well, maybe the cops can get it back. Annie, see if we can find no, a telephone. No, no. No, don't call the police. Why not? You've been assaulted and robbed. But my head doesn't hurt very much now. I haven't been really injured. And I'm sure the thief will return the money. Return? When he becomes aware that it belongs to his neighbors, to his comrades down here. You see, I, I meant to give it away. You think the thief will return it on that account? When he thinks about it, yes. This guy must be nuts. Thieves can be good people. Mister, you haven't been around much. You've got as much chance of getting that dough back as I have of being elected a Supreme Court judge. If you had taken the money, wouldn't you return it under the circumstances? Me? Uh, well, uh, of course. I I'm different. Well, you're different from the guy who got the 300 boots. He has it and you haven't. But... Maybe I'm wrong. Hey, what do you mean? At what time do you think you were hit and robbed, mister? I entered the alley at about 20 minutes of two. And I've been on that corner where you met me, Casey, ever since one o'clock. Every bum in that line will say so. You can't pin this on me. Okay, Boots, but you should understand my natural suspicion. Yeah. Oh, creep. Uh, yes, sir. What were you doing in this alley when you found him? Well, I was just walking through, honest. I seen a foot sticking out from the back of them kegs and... But when I looked closer, there this guy was. Well, I didn't take his toe boots. Don't look at me like that. I believe you, creep. Why shouldn't I? Well, I don't. Let go of my collar. Shut up, creep. Mr. Santa Claus, whether you like it or not, I'm going to find a cop and have this creep guy searched. Wait. You're not the wrong person. And I will make no complaint. What? There's nothing you can do, Casey, if that's how the little guy wants it. It is how I want it. You gotta let me go. Okay. Insist on being a sap, mister. It's your hard luck, not mine. Well, come on, Annie. Let's get out of here. Oh, I'd like to, Casey, but I've been assigned to interview this gentleman. Oh, no, that's so, yeah. Interview me? Yeah. Uh, to begin with, what's your name? Why, Shepard. Shepard? Yes. Uh, first name? Uh, no. Oh, Casey, catch uh, him. That got him. Hey, the guy passed out. The crack on the head did more damage than he admitted. Look, there's a clinic up the street. We'll get him to a doc. I guess you can take care of him alone, huh, Casey? Yes, I won't need your help. We parked our car near here. There's alley. Okay, Annie. Well, how have you got along myself, Boots? So long. Oh, no, creep. Hey, why are you grabbing my arm? You're going to give me that 300 bucks you took. Our story will continue in just a moment. All of us at Anchor Hawking want to wish you a Merry Christmas. We hope that this great day has brought you all the joys that were so carefully planned. The gaily decorated tree, the happy exchange of gifts, the reminiscences of a united family group. 
Yes, Christmas is a great day for getting together. A time of goodwill, good cheer, and good food. Food that you can buy with all its freshness, taste, and purity, perfectly preserved. For this, we have to thank the many great organizations who process and ship us our better foods and who know that flavor, purity, and freshness are best preserved in clean, sanitary glass containers. Containers that preserve and safeguard flavor and taste while they permit you to see in advance exactly what you're buying. Anchor Hocking is proud that so many of the leading brands of food of all kinds come to you in Anchor Glass containers sealed with Anchor Caps. Products of Anchor Hocking. The most famous name in glass. Are you sure you feel all right now, Mr. Shepard? Yes, Miss Williams. Doc said you got a really nasty crack on the head. I'll drive you home. He wants you to stay in bed for a few days. Thank you, but men are seldom as sick as their learned physicians say. I'm quite all right. Just the same. We're taking you to your home. Yeah. Where do you live? Uh, Very close by. What? You mean in this neighborhood? Yes, but I have some unfinished business to attend to before I lie down, Mr. Casey. That money hasn't been returned yet. If you get it back, Mr. Shepard, I'll believe in the faith that moves mountains. Mountains have been moved by steam shovels, Miss Williams. And man's faith in himself created the steam shovel. By that you mean you're going to do something to persuade the thief? I shall only remain near the thief so he can find me. I don't get you. Casey. Huh? Look. Holy, it's that creep guy. His face is terribly bruised. He must have crashed into a ten-ton truck. He's he's dragging himself along. Hey, creep, what happened to you? How did... Uh, Boots. Boots. Beat me up. Boots? Uh, In the alley. After you left. Why? Uh, He he thought I took that 300 bucks. He beat me up and then searched me. But he didn't find it because I didn't have one. Hey, uh... Let me a drink, will you? I need a drink. Look, we're going to take you into the clinic and get you patched up. Uh, no, no, no. When the docs get their mitts on guys like me, they send us to the hospital where we can't get no liquor. So just tell me a shot, mister, huh? That's all I need. No, I'm gonna... We'll serve this man best by doing as he asks, Casey. At the moment, his body needs its accustomed alcohol more than his bruises need medical treatment. Uh, you're a wise guy, mister. You're a real gent. Unfortunately, I have no money to give him. All right, creep. I'll buy you a drink. And I'll go into a gin mill with you. Will you tell me more about finding Mr. Shepard in that alley? I already told you all I know. Now, we'll talk about that later. Come on. We'll go into this joint here. Yeah. <coughs> oh, this is... This is an awful place, Casey. Yeah, it is. You stay outside, Annie. Oh, why should I? There's another woman at the bar. Huh? Yes. That's Julia Arnold. Oh, I see. The actress. Yeah. You coming in too, Mr. Shepard? Yes, thank you. Hey, Gus. Hey, give me a shot, huh? Give me a shot quick. Not like see you got the dough to pay for it, creep. I'm paying for his drink. Oh. Oh. Well, you Jensen lady hat. Nothing for me. Oh, me either. I'll have a little wine. Hey. One of the gents ain't ashamed to have a drink with the likes of me, Gus. Uh, what kind of wine, mister? 
plain red wine. Uh, Alky for me, Gus, and quick. Okay, okay. All right, now we'll do some talking, Crete. Mr. Shepard says he went into that alley at around 20 minutes of two. Where were you at that time? Mr. Casey, no purpose can be served by questioning this man. I'm making no complaint to the police, and I... You may condone a crime, Shepard, but I don't. I don't condone the crime. I'm forgiving it. Well, we wouldn't have much law and order if everyone did that. Perhaps we'd have more, Miss Williams. This guy just don't care about 300 bucks, Annie. Ah, here your drinks. Uh, Give me cuss. The money wasn't mine, Mr. Casey. I'd have given it away in another few minutes. And a lot of good it would have done him. A buck apiece that'd slide across bars like this for raw alcohol. Mr. Shepard, you seem like an awful nice guy, but it's time somebody taught you the facts of life. Few can teach the facts of life, Mr. Casey. Few but little children. Because man forgets the simplicity of childhood, he forgets that all the world is one great family. I think our friend Creep would like another drink. Yeah. And uh, thanks a million, mister. Hey, Gus. Okay, Creep. We're with you in a minute. Hey, Gus. What do you want, Julie? Another drink, of course. You drank up the buck again. Casey, that fine actress. Come here, Gus. Come here. There's nothing anybody can do for her, Annie. Julia Arnold's hit bottom. Look, I fooled you, Gus. I held out. I got another dollar bill. Another brand new one, Julia. Another new. Uh, Where'd you get this, though? When you were in here this noon, you said you didn't have a dime. Casey. Julie found them, Gus. I found them. Got more hid away. You hear that, Shepard? I heard. When she leaves this place, we follow. She's turned it into the same alley where you were robbed, Mr. Shepard. I see, Miss Williams. We saw her come out of that same alley just a little while before Creep found you. Poor woman. Yeah, it's a rotten shame. Julia Arnold was a fine person once. She can be a fine person again. Casey, why didn't you let Creep come here with us? Oh, because these bums all stick together. I know how they act. He he might have tipped off Julia Arnold, but we're trailing her. She's going down into that cellar, Casey. Come on, we don't want to lose her. Wait. That man. Uh, Who's Driscoll? He was hiding behind those ash cans. Now he's going down into the cellar. As though he were watching for Julia Arnold, as though he's following her now. Come on, let's go. Rooms down here. She probably lives in this cellar. Yeah, but which door? Get out of here! Her Get voice. Out. Uh, that door, Casey. No. We're going in, all right. What? Let her go, Boots. I didn't. I said let her go. They broke my arm. What's the big idea, Boots? I ask her. He came to rob me. He said he'd make me tell where my money was hidden. And you're going to tell me all of you. Stick up your hands. Casey. The man has a gun. I see. Stick yes. him up, I said. Okay, Boots. But you're losing what little mind you ever had, a lousy 300 bucks. Ah, shut up, Casey. This is my territory. I'm boss, and I don't take no double crossing. Hand it over, Julie, or... I haven't $300. I don't know what you're talking about. Hand it over. Don't shoot. I'll give you what I have. I found six dollar bills in the alley today. Here's the four I haven't left. You're bluffing, but I ain't. Give me that 300 Keep back, Casey. You, you get it first. You're crazy, Boots. Listen. Shut I'm... up. This is your last chance, Julie. Give me that 300 or... Out, Boots! Huh? She ain't got it. Creep! Uh, I got it. I stole it and I hid it. 
Here it is. You lousy double-crosser. Mr. Shepard, I'm sorry for what I did to you. I, well, I ain't never been no good. But standing at that bar with you, you were drinking with me like I wasn't just a rat. I, I don't know. I, I had to get the dough. I didn't bring it to you. I'm sorry I had to hand it over to Boots. You gave it to him to save this woman's life, Creep. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I did. Another thing, I dropped them six new dollar bills on purpose in the alley when I saw Julie come so she'd find them and spend them and take the rap for me. There'll be no rap for anyone. You said it. None of you birds are going to live to squeal on me. You don't want to shoot us, Boots. Don't I? Do you? I got it. I got myself in too deep. Not yet. You haven't taken life. And your life isn't finished. I ain't gonna finish it and stir. I got a chance at none of you talk. Yes, you have. Why don't you shoot us, Boots? Well, I'm gonna. When? Shut up. I can't shoot a guy who talks like you do. Words have never stopped a bullet or a true desire. Ah, ah nuts. Here, Casey, take this gat in this dough and send for the cops. I'm tired of being a phony tough guy. Shall I send for the cops, Mr. Shepard? If you wish, Casey, I have. You're running this. We have $300. Everyone seems to agree that my original plan for its distribution was unwise. What do you suggest we do with it? May I have your suggestion, Creep? Uh, I tried to frame Julie. Give it to her. And your suggestion, Boots? Give it to Julie. It's yours, Miss Arnold. Mine? Three hundred dollars. Oh, I can buy a, a decent dress. Once I earn that much for a single performance, I, I can do it again. If you believe so. But I, I don't need this money you intended for the poor. I'm not poor. God gave me gifts I've squandered. I still have some left. They're all I need. Give this money to the really poor. What shall I do with it, Casey? Mr. Shepard? You're still running this. We'll join the crowd of the Blue Note in just a moment. Perhaps among your Christmas gifts, you received a beautiful set of jadeite dinnerware. Then you already know how attractive it will look on your table. And in the months to come, you'll learn that jadeite dinnerware is as sturdy and heatproof as it is lovely to look at. You'll be proud of your jadeite dinnerware because of its beautiful texture, its color, its flawless design. And your guests will hardly believe that this jade green dinnerware costs so little, but incredible as it may seem you can buy a 35-piece jadeite dinner service, including six cups, six saucers, six dessert plates, six salad plates, six dinner plates, one vegetable bowl, a platter, and a sugar and creamer set for less than $5. And jadeite is also available in open stock at chain stores, department stores, and most other stores selling chinaware and glass. Remember the name, jadeite. That's spelled J-A-D-E-I-T-E, jadeite. The newest triumph of Anchor Hawking. 
the most famous name in glass. So Mr. Shepard gave the dough to that old man who panhandled you and Miss Williams, huh, Casey? Yeah. Smitty, who didn't drink and didn't steal. It was just old. What do you suppose Smitty did with it, Ethelbert? How should I know? He was so happy, he had to make others feel the same way. He played Santa Claus. You mean... Yeah. He stood on a corner of Bum's Boulevard and handed out those dollar bills. Funny, wasn't it? Hmm. Yeah. He was like a little child who hadn't forgotten that all the world is one big family. Mm, that's a pretty thought. I got it from Mr. Shepard. He sounds like a very interesting guy. What'd you find out about him, Miss Williams? Him personal, I mean. Nothing. While we were watching old Smitty give his money away, Mr. Shepard wandered off and we lost him. Think we'll find him again? Well, I hope so. So do I. But you don't know his address or even what business he's in? No. But he told me he was once a carpenter. Prime Photographer, starring Stotts Cotsworth as Casey, is brought to you each Thursday by the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation. Makers of Fire King Oven Glass. Anchor Glass Containers. Anchor Caps and Closures. All products of Anchor Hawking. The most famous name in glass. Directed by John Deeks. The original music is by Archie Blyer, and the program features Mustan Minor as Anne and John Gibson as Ethelbert. This is Tony Marvin saying goodnight for the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, with offices in all principal cities of the United States and Canada. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Well, honestly, I appreciated this episode more than when I first listened to it. There are a couple of touches that I think are worth talking about before talking about the main plot. The first is uh, the scene between Casey and Anne talking about uh, being alone and not having a family. I think it does a good job with them as people. It establishes why their mood is what it is, and also gives us some insight into who they are as human beings. Of course, and I think particularly with Casey, a lot of his being alone is kind of the result of decisions he's made. You know, the job he's taken, the value he's put onto his career, and the focus of just being the best uh, photographer. It really leaves him with a very hectic schedule, uh, very unreliable, and not really uh, an opportunity to earn the type of income he's 
uh, comfortable with for having a family and not really the time to pursue romance except perhaps with Anne since she's got the same schedule essentially. But sometimes you make those decisions but you feel the weight of them really it's sometime like the holidays when everyone's at you know with family and you're alone. The other thing I really did enjoy about this episode is the way that they did take some uh, Christmas carols and do some different arrangements which gave them a different feel and felt right for the scene and for kind of the uncertainty or downbeat nature of the events that were going on. As to the main plot of the episode, I think that I didn't enjoy it as much because I kind of took the story literally. And literally, people who are living on the streets because of alcohol abuse don't need someone to give them money for another drink. But it also has to be said that if you're that deep into alcoholism, a dollar, even in 1947 money, isn't going to buy you a ton of drinks. It's not going to do a lot more harm than you were going to do for yourself. And you can argue whether you think that it's the best use of money to help the poor or not, that you're doing more good in giving them the money and saying, Merry Christmas, I'm acknowledging you as a human being, does more good than the fact that they will probably misspend the money. I think that this is actually a bit of a deeper script than you typically expect of Casey Crime Photographer. As Dr. Joe Webb pointed out at bluenotebulletin.blogspot.com, this particular play is littered with hints and Easter eggs that indicate that Mr. Shepard is a type of Christ figure. Even the name Shepherd and other references such as the uh, mention of having worked as a carpenter at the end of the story, which, you know, to end on that, it's expected, it's a pretty big emphasis for the audience at home. The order of plain red wine, which uh, Dr. Webb points as a reference to the Last Supper. Shepherd's reference to uh, little children, uh, similar to something that Christ said in Matthew 19.14. I could go through it all, but I, I don't see a need to repeat everything that uh, Dr. Webb has done on his excellent blog over at bluenotebulletin.blogspot.com. But that's who uh, Alonzo Dean Cole is writing this character as. I think that the central theme of what the story's about is a theological concept called common grace. Now, I've received enough emails from pastors to know that you listen to the podcast, and I hope I don't mangle the explanation, because I'm in no way a professional theologian. The idea of common grace is that there are gifts and mercies that God gives that are not the result of your conduct or your belief, but they are gifts to the whole human family. Christ gave the example of God sends the rain on the just and on the unjust. In essence, what Cole is saying is that the Christmas season and the joy and goodwill of it are a gift to everyone. In essence, what Casey and uh, 
his friends at the Blue Note uh, were saying was wrong. Christmas isn't just for people who have nice families and nice houses to go back to. It is for single people, and it is for people who are really and truly down on their luck. Good people and bad people. I think Casey is a moral character, and he's also somebody who believes in justice. But there can be a downside to that. This episode is interesting for showing that. Because some people can be very judgy. Like Casey's entire statement that if you were on uh, Skid Row, Bums Boulevard I should say, there's really no hope for you. I'm sorry, Casey, but you don't get to decide that. Certainly places like Bums Boulevard are dark places. They are places where many people lose themselves and uh, even die. But you can't just write off uh, an entire chunk of the human race as without hope. Even at the end, he really struggles with how this all worked out. Where Casey got his way and the money went to the guy he thought truly deserved it. And that guy was just so full of joy that he gave the whole wad away. So it is a very interesting, very different, and I think there's more to it than I gave it credit for initially. Because on a superficial level, it just kind of seems like a bit of Christmas fluff. And maybe slightly irresponsible fluff at that. But there's far more to it than that, whether you end up agreeing with it or not. All right. Uh, listener comments and feedback now, and we've got this from Joey regarding the episode The Tough Guy. Uh, where they uh, used a trick to get a confession. Uh, Joey says, I wonder if any police department uh, uses tricks uh, like this to solve crimes. Well, I have not heard about many. I do know that some of the tricks portrayed on programs like Dragnet obviously are based on things that the police actually did in efforts to solve crimes. Whether they're done today and to what extent they were done, I'm not certain. I think police are always going to have to be cognizant today that any action or any little bit of deception they do to try to solve a crime, they're going to have to have it uh, backed up in court, and they're going to have it be something that the local prosecuting attorney is going to be comfortable in explaining in court why it didn't violate the defendant's uh, constitutional rights. Of course, the police use trickery when they have undercover men, but I'm don't think I've heard of modern-day police find sort of jailhouse trickery like we heard in the episode of Casey Crime Photographer. Now it is time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Chris, Patreon supporter since February 2019, currently supporting the program at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Again, thanks so much for your support. And that will actually do it for today. If you are listening to this on the uh, Christmas Old Time Radio Detective Stories, be aware that we do have uh, great detectives of Old Time Radio podcast 
running uh, all year long, and you can subscribe to that wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you're one of our regular listeners, uh, pl- uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, please be sure to rate and review it uh, wherever you download your podcast. Next week, we will be playing an encore presentation as um taking my uh, vacation week, and I'll have details. We're going to have a themed week next week. I'll talk about that tomorrow, but I felt we went a little long on the commentary, so I'm going to kind of uh, cut it brief for today, but tomorrow we'll talk about our theme. And Casey will be back in two weeks, but coming up tomorrow, our Christmas celebration continues with an episode of Jeff Regan, where... It was just an ordinary drive-in hamburger joint on Vermont off Sunset, but they called it Hamburger Heaven. And just to carry out the idea, they'd hired six angels to wait on cars. Three blondes, a redhead, and two brunettes. I was lucky. I drew the redhead. Only she didn't serve up what I ordered. All she brought me was trouble. The whole thing started when there were only eight more shopping days until Christmas. I fought my way through the necktie and socks set, and by the time I reached the office, I was ready to start celebrating New Year's. But my boss, the lion, had other ideas. When I walked in, all 280 pounds of him was up on an office stool. He was tacking a dried-up sprig of mistletoe over the door. Jeffrey! Jeffrey, my boy, come in, come in. The festive season is at hand. How's that again? I said the festive season is at hand. I'm filled overflowing with the Yuletide spirit. Yeah? Uh, well, you better take those nails out of your teeth before you spring a leak. Hmm? Oh, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right, my boy. I got carried away. Yeah, sure. You and Tiny Tim. We're, uh, expecting women clients? Uh, women clients? Oh, oh, you mean the mistletoe. Well, Jeffrey, you never can tell when a sweet young thing might accidentally happen in... Stop drooling, fatso. You dropped out of a mistletoe set 50 pounds ago. Well, maybe so. But I still believe in Santa Claus. Now, where was I? You were up on the stool with berries in your hair. No, no, I mean about the new client. What have I told you so far? That the festive season is at hand? Huh? Oh, oh, then I haven't told you about our new client. His name is Ward Hamilton, Jeffrey. He was in just a few minutes ago. Fine figure of a man. Well-dressed, distinguished, and prosperous. That explains the Christmas spirit. How much? Jeffrey, the Christmas spirit cannot be measured in terms of money. This is the time of goodwill toward men of unselfish devotion. Sure. How much unselfish devotion did he buy? Fifty dollars worth. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.